last week, do you remember what we talked about? The atomization of kids. <laughs> of society. I guess. Of society. So, kids are part of society. Uh, that's actually, we are recording this actually a full week later. So that was, you passed the test. I know. Um, yeah. So to give you context, dear listener, viewer, we are going through kind of these big concepts that we feel like are going to be potent potent for us today to teach our children in light of God's truth, knowing that 50 to 100 years from now, they will be dealing with these concepts even more. And so for this one, it's the atomization of society. And to, to hear the details about what we meant by that, you'll have to go back one episode and review that. But essentially, it means this, that we are individualizing mm. on many different levels, mm-hmm. uh, both in terms of our intellectual atomization we talked about community atomization this is atomization i want to spell it out because visually like if you don't i'm thinking adam like a-d-a-m this is a-t-o-m-i-z-a-t-i-o-n wow the atom versus adam the atom (laughs) i'm sorry we're doing language in school and everything and so (laughs) but if i see that because if i hear you saying just the atomization it sounds like Okay. The, the, the man, the the sin, the fallenness. I don't know. Biblically speaking, I don't know. How is this all okay. making sense? So, so n- not that. Intellectual atomization, community atomization, as well as Which is kind logistical of a atomization. Community. You should go back and listen to that because community atomization, that sounds like a oxymoron almost. Yeah. Well, you have to go back and check it out. Yeah. It's not. So today we wanted to cover, um, we're going to finish up this conversation, finish up the conversation because it got lengthy is how (laughs) do you disciple in light of what atomization is and what spheres of life might we train our children to not be atomized, but instead to value the, the molecularization or the communitization. There's a lot of zations here of their lives. So stick around. We'll talk about that on the other side. Okay, I got a question for you. Uh, did you make up this word, atomization? No, no, I didn't. I mean, actually, had you been paying attention last week? <laughs> just kidding. Had I not been taking care of your baby? <laughs> just kidding. I don't know. I don't think I made up the word. I think the the concept is as old as time. And what it, it's just autonomy. Okay. Right. Thinking that I, as an individual, am autonomous. I can trust my own reason, my mm. own desires, my own rationale, my own experiences. Smells and sounds like sin. And I don't really need God. Oh. I don't really need others. That sounds like the words of the devil in the garden. That's exactly what, yeah, that's Did where God it comes really from. Did God really say this? Do you so, really need? And, and many would not say, yeah, I don't need my parents. Or I don't need my, people won't say that, but I think there's a we functional. Like that, though. Yeah, there's yeah. a functional outworking of the worldview that is very humanist and says, yeah, you know what? As long as you can imagine it, you desire it, you 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 know you can justify it. You can with your own rationale, with your own means, whatever you desire can be yours. Um, hmm. So, scripturally speaking, <laughs> atomization is counter to what the Christian ideal is, the Christian worldview. Now we see that primarily and ultimately in the person of God Himself, in the character of God Himself, the nature of God. So we have a God who, even as God, is communal. Yes. Three persons in one God, Father, Son, Holy, Holy Spirit, Spirit, and in that perfect community. And there's a word, theologically speaking, aseity, which is the, uh, the, 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 um, God needs nothing. Mm. Right. So he didn't, there's kind of this popular 90s Christian notion that God was lonely. So he created humans and humans complete gods. Like that's not, no, God didn't need us. Cool. <laughs> God wanted glory. And so we are to glorify God as mm. he, as his creation, as all creation 
will. Yeah. As all creation did before the fall and all creation will when Christ returns again. In the meantime, we have this wrestling with our sin nature and with things that would steal glory from God and namely humans. And that's essentially what atomization is. Okay. Is autonomy saying, we talked about right. the definition of it, the Greek kind of uh, the origins of the Greek word, right. autos right. and namas, self and law. Autonomy is a self law. Of course, we are not to govern ourselves in that way. Instead, we are to be under God's law. So, so you, we, we left kind of on the note that there are four uh, like discipline, sorry, community spheres that mm-hmm. we need to be encouraging our children. Well, first of all, we need to be teaching them what what those spheres look like, define what they are, mm-hmm. uh, biblically speaking. Uh, and then we're going to kind of, I think, walk through each of these. But the four spheres that we had kind of left talking so, about last week. Full disclosure, I think last week there were three spheres and I've added one because I said family's a given, but I wanted to flesh it out more. Yeah, I think that's good. So we added the fourth sphere (laughs) and it's the first sphere. That's why I was saying like we have to define these biblically because right now family is being taken apart or it's been putting different pieces together to try to make a family. Uh, But God's definition of family, right? And so uh, the four spheres. I want to answer this one question (laughs) real fast just so it's out there. This will be the premise we move forward. Four spheres. How do we disciple our children in light of the atomization of society? Okay, here's how. We must disciple our children to value, seek, and emphasize, build their lives around deep Christian community. Okay, so build their lives around deep Mm. Christian community. And these four spheres, Selena wanted to talk about them. So why don't you say the four spheres? What are they? Family. uh, So family, church, friendships, courtship. Okay, so I'll, we'll go through each one of those, but first I want to just illustrate this wrestle that this wrestle this wrestle that we had with this topic. When we were looking for a place to land, we had just had our first daughter. We were moving up from California, so we're from north the northwest. Yeah, we lived in California because I was doing my backgrounds in energy engineering. I was trying to start a solar company. Ended up getting into web development. Did five years down there. Helped plan a church. Did worship pastoring for. About three of those years. Yeah, I did Young Life. So I did Young Life. Four years. Well, we ended up having our our first daughter. We mm-hmm. thought we need to we, we need to figure out our lives because we, we knew we weren't going to live there forever. Right, right. Um, and so we were in the wind. We we didn't want to move back to where we're from. No. Instead, we thought we could go anywhere. Well, because you could work anywhere. Yeah. COVID was obviously not a thing. Uh, we could make, we felt like we could make community anywhere, which I think that is one of God's graces is that you can find Christian community wherever I, you go. I kind of don't agree. And here's, okay, well, here's why. But um, if you had to go somewhere and the Lord you, calls you, yeah, absolutely. Yes. Now, if we said, you know what, we're afraid of the government. We're afraid of COVID. <laughs> we're going to run off into the Alaskan wilderness and we're going to live off grid. Yeah. Christian community could be hard, can be to, hard find. to find. Well, yeah, but that's okay. Uh, okay. That's, that's, that's just what I'm saying. And that's why we didn't do it. Cause that was on the table. Well, not Alaska. <laughs> I mean, for me, it was. <laughs> but so we realized that we needed an objective yes, kind of okay. way to see what really mattered. I guess and we had to align our core values, identify and align our core values with the and word of God. And family, our family vision. Like, and that's where the family vision statement came yeah, from. Yeah. And so the family vision statement in it, we realized one of our core values because we are Christians is community. It has to be. It almost feels like a command. I mean, there's, it's not one of the Ten Commandments, but the Ten Commandments mm-hmm. were made Assuming that you are living in community with people like Christians, yeah. right? Yeah. So family, we're going to talk about that first sphere, family. 
Yeah. So what is, so how do we disciple our children to value family and then to also teach their children and their children, their children's children to value family as God values family. So the big question is this is, do they see family as God sees it? Do they see family as God sees it? And in fact, these, um, the sub points here are just the three bullets that we use the tenets of fierce marriage or fierce parenting, excuse me, is that kids are a blessing. Number one, number two, that family is God's idea. And one of the things I think we gloss over a lot is that what we mean by that is that family is not an arbitrary social evolutionary construct. It's not something that just happened because it works. Okay. No family is designed to work. Yeah. It's God's idea. idea. Absolutely. You have one woman, one man married for life. They through the, the, the act of sex through consummating that covenantal marriage. Yeah. They then bring forth children and the covenant now becomes the place within which the raising of those children and the things of God Mm. is possible. Mm -hmm. That's by design. Yeah. So do our children know that? Yeah, because the world is definitely screaming against that and is also saying like like, it doesn't have to need a mom and dad. A family can be whatever you want. Yeah, you don't need marriage. Yeah, marriage is just a lifestyle. You can have sex with whoever you want or whoever you feel like wanting wanting to have sex with. By the way, Johnny, you can have two dads if you want, or you can be you know in a you can (laughs) you can see how it breaks down. Doesn't work, okay? And you know we're not just saying statistically, not that we need statistics to justify this. Yeah, but it's not how. That's not how God designed it. Yes. And, you know, people will go through all kinds of gymnastics to try and talk that, talk you back from that, but yes. we're, just, we're not going to allow it because scripture is <laughs> pretty clear. Uh, number three, uh, and do they see God, uh, excuse me, do they see family as God sees it is just the idea that parenting is discipleship. Yeah. So kids are blessing, family is God's idea, parenting is discipleship. The second big question under this family sphere is this, Selene, you want to read that? Uh, do they value family as God values it? Yeah. So we mentioned this a little bit, but it's it's seeing it and then now valuing it. Yeah. Because I think you can get married because, hey, my friends are getting married or I wanted to get married. We're super in love. So let's get married. That's like the next step, right? Yeah. We get married. No. But so what is the deeper? Yes, absolutely. And so under, do they understand covenant? Do they understand what biblical parenting looks like yeah. and value that? Do they understand what family structures and mm. leadership and headship looks yeah. like. Yeah. Uh, we're teach- we have four daughters. Okay. <laughs> I very much do not want them to be under a tyrannical head in their marriage. I want them to be able to see a godly man from a mile away and I want them to value. We'll talk about that in courtship. But the yeah. point is, is they need to understand that if you marry a tyrant, your family life is going to be horrible Yeah. because unless he is changed by God and he, he softened and he starts loving you as Christ loves the church, it's going to be horrible. Right. And so teaching them how to know that or, teaching them about that and then how to identify it and right. then to value, raising them up to value that. Mm-hmm. And the fourth piece of value in family is uh, the, the ideas of family discipleship and worship. So this has to do with the scope of authority and the scope of, uh, of, of worship kind of spheres. And this, that that's my own term, but basically in terms of how we worship God, you have your secret worship, which is your own relationship <laughs> with God. You have private worship, which is family worship. Mm-hmm. And you have your public worship, which is in the congregation. Mm-hmm. Well-rounded Christians will have all three right. happening at, at, right. at all times. Do they value family as God values <clears throat> it? I, I also hear the word desire coming because I know value and desire can be the same, but I think you can identify that something is good and valuable, but if you don't desire it, that's a whole nother battle, right? Yeah. And of course, a lot of this, and we mentioned this last week, is it's all predicated on you showing them. Yeah. 
Because I mean, well, and God, I mean, yes, I, I mean, I feel again, I, I push back on this a little bit because I don't want to do it out of my own strength, which is always where I fail as a mom, like, and a, and a home educator. I want to, I want to coax their affections, not coax, maybe that's the wrong word, but I want to, I want to stir their affections for the Lord, but I can't stir that for them. Like I have to be stirred myself and that's I don't you stir. Use, you lay out the feast. Yes. You show them the feast is mine. come and yeah. taste the Lord. Taste and is, see that the Lord is good. Is. Yeah. And I, I can't take credit for that, but that's, that's, yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so that's the first sphere. Picture. We should probably pick up pace here. Uh, the second sphere is church. Okay. So in well, a sentence. You didn't write this out, but you didn't say this in this episode, but this is part of a, a book that he's working on. Yeah. And we'll cover all these in, at greater length. Yeah. Um, so some of these thoughts are still kind of being baked in, in their wet cement, so to speak. Um, but they need to value the community of church. Yeah. And here's what I mean by that is they must be able to discern a church that is faithful in both orthodoxy and orthopraxy. And what I mean by that is their doctrines and their practice and the outworkings of those doctrines. Mm, so good. Okay. So what does that mean? What is orthodoxy? Um, uh, well, simply, simply said orthodoxy in terms of Protestant theology. So we are Protestants. Right. Uh, we, are products of the Reformation, meaning that we believe that in the, we affirm the five solas of the Reformation by mm -hmm. grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, uh, the authority of Scripture alone, and unto the glory of God alone. Okay, so if you don't understand the five solas, you probably already live those kind of implicitly if you're listening to us sure. and you've continued to listen to us this, uh, listen to us this long. You'll get pushed back from different segments of uh, you know different belief systems, but as a Protestant Christian, these are what we believe um, and we believe they're true. So uh, that's what I mean by orthodoxy. I don't mean the Orthodox, the Eastern Orthodox church. That's what, that's not right. what I mean, right. um, which by the way, my grandma was part of the Eastern <laughs> Orthodox church, Greek Orthodox actually. Um, so not the same. Um, so other than that, and that's a big one, they preach the word. They're not, they're not going to give you what two, they're not going to give you the Texas Longhorn message, right? Two points with a lot of bull in between. Oh boy. <laughs> Yes. yes. No, but they're going to preach the word. They're Faithfully going to preach from the through word. The, yes. word. through the word. They're going to unpack it. It's called exegetical preaching or expository preaching. And they're going to feed it to you um, as the sheep. You have, a, you have a pastor, a shepherd who's going to feed you the yeah. nourishing word of God. Yeah. Um, and then you have things like, um, well, I'll, I'll add this to orthodoxy. Um, they affirm the Nicene Creed, the Apostles' Creed, um, depending on what segment of the faith you come from. You're going to affirm either the Westminster Confession of Faith or the 1689 Baptist Confession of Faith. Okay. Um, and that's a lot. If you don't understand, just go do some Googling, do some reading. Um, it's good reading. It's all good Especially as a Christian believer. Um, here in terms of orthopraxy. So that's not, orthodoxy is something that you hear. Orthopraxy is not something you hear quite as much. Mm -mm. That's the idea of ortho is making something straight, going something like uniform and right. So you think of an orthodontist, they make your teeth right. A heteropraxy or heterodontist would be somebody who makes your teeth crooked. <laughs> <laughs> so orthopraxy is uh, meaning, are you straight in line with the orthodox kind of view of ecumenical structure? Mm. Ecumen sorry, that's another big word. Church structure. Okay? Talk to us lay people, Mr. Uh, Seminary. <laughs> there's a lot of smart people. I'm not, I'm not too concerned about that. But yeah, so church structure, how, how does church membership and discipline work? I mean, like, do you actually sit under the authority of yeah. godly men who are under the authority of Christ? Now, th the thing about Protestantism is that you have Christ and you have everyone else. He is our head. He is our one mediator. So we don't go to our pastors to get mediation, but they do sit in authority as a spiritual shepherd authority and they're accountable right. for our souls. Yes. So you need to have a church structure that that is that works on that out. honors that. Yeah. yeah. 
does your church does and you're teaching our kids this, but we need a church that honors the sacraments that you have. You, you celebrate the Lord's supper together. Yeah. You have a, a right view of baptism. Yeah. Um, now this isn't a sacrament, but in the Catholics would call marriage a sacrament, but we don't. Um, but does your church affirm biblical marriage? Between one man and one woman. You know, do they reject homosexual marriage? Do they reject all the, all the, anything else? The, the, anything else. <laughs> Thank you. Um, one man, one man, one woman for life. Um, and does your church affirm complementarity? Okay. This is one of those issues that uh, I'm sorry. <laughs> we have five minutes and he's going to drop that bomb. It's okay. good. It's good. We believe that complementarity is, is right. not primary in terms of salvation, but it is primary in terms of how the church functions because of how someone has to eviscerate the text to get away from it. Yeah. So if you don't know what complementarianism is, look that up. Um, and we're hopefully all we have some it. rapport with you to know that we're not just coming to that decision. <laughs> right. We're all for it. We, we trust yeah. um, the word of God and, and trust that. Okay. So the third one, um, and these are spheres of relationship in their courtship. This is a huge one. Um, and this is, uh, this will have a lot to do with friendship. And this, and I mean, the premise here too, is that we are pushing our children, not pushing our children. I think. Take that back. Yes, we are. We are, we are urging we're them. We're urging them to get married. And to, but and if God calls them to celibacy then, or be then, a missionary somewhere and not be married for, you know, whatever the Lord has, but we definitely are saying that it is, it is like what Paul said, it's good to marry if you're going to burn with passion, right? Like yeah, and get mar- married. And married and is not general, just, uh, marriage is good. it is, it's not obviously it's not fierce like, marriage. oops, Here I got go. married. Yeah. It's like, no, it's a worthy goal. Right. And so, and, but we are saying follow Christ faithfully. And and when you begin being courted and you begin courting a young man, we want you to value the things that God values in that courtship relationship. And no, yeah, you're, it's funny you bring that up in this episode because we're talking about atomization and I'm trying to say molecularization. (laughs) Sorry, I'm sorry. I just, yeah. Yeah. So the point is as you're, Going about the business of courtship, yes. value the things God values. Amen. Um, one thing we teach our daughters, we have an episode on this in the past, <laughs> is that I don't care who you marry, as long as that young man loves the Lord more than he loves you. Because if he does that, like he'll provide for you, he'll love you well, he'll, he'll defend you, well. you, he'll lead you, he will, you know, he will be faithful to you, yeah. he will be gentle with you, he will raise your children well. That's all that matters. So I'm teaching mm-hmm. them now to value love that. So we could we could uh, we could say that I want to I want to read this as Christian parents we must explicitly teach and train our children to recognize and genuinely cherish godly traits in a potential spouse. Then we must train them to date unto the glory of God and the end of marriage. To the end that is marriage. I mean, yeah. so okay. So you've identified this young man now. Mm. Be godly. <laughs> date him with purity. Right. May he see, seek you with purity. May yeah. you not. Um, You're dating with intention. Yeah. Okay. This is the final one. And I loathe to say this is the longest one. <laughs> so friendships in the area of friendships. In other words, I want to read first Corinthians 15, 33. Do not be deceived. Bad company, bad company ruins good mm. morals. Proverbs 22 verses 24, 25 says, make no friendships with a man given to anger, mm. nor go with a wrathful man, lest you learn his ways and entangle yourself in a snare. Yeah. Well, so, Proverbs and Psalms are full of the fool does this stay away from the fool. <laughs> right. So, it's pretty clear. Yeah. So remember that we're couching this whole conversation, this idea that we have to train our children to actively pursue yeah. and build a life around Christian community. Right. 
So we don't just float into it. Like you have to actually dig your heels in, build it, yeah. engage in the work of, of making it happen. And that for young kids, it's oftentimes it, friendship is like right in the center of that. Yeah. Alongside I think it begins family, with but, friendships uh, right. outside of the family, right? That's where, that's where they're, uh, they start to understand and unpack what relationship means, what it means to be a good friend. Right. We're actually having conversations with our girls. Like, what is a good friend? You know, a good friend is not somebody who calls you names or somebody <laughs> who's age that needs to be said. So right. That they don't <laughs> right. But that um, changes throughout the their developmental stages. And so it's important to, again, like you said, identify what is a Christ centered uh, friendship. What does that look like as opposed to, you know, a friend that maybe doesn't know the Lord? Our six year old's favorite question is, are they a Christian? Do they believe in God? And I'm like. They say they do, but there's a lot of people that say they right. do and they don't actively live that out. So having those conversations early on and describing and helping them become very familiar with. So, and you, you touched on it and this is what we're going for. We're not talking about friendships. Okay. Here, here's the distinction that needs to be made because people will say, well, you can have Christians who aren't friends or you can have friends who aren't Christians. Right. You can also have Christians who aren't friends too, by the way, because <laughs> there's some pretty quirky ones. <laughs> Doesn't mean you have to hang out with them. Uh, the point is, um, Yes, you can have friends that aren't Christian, but what we're saying is that in your life, child, you must yeah. have Christian community. Yeah. You can have other friends, but you must have these types of friends. Yeah. And, 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 and even if you have a friend who is a Christian, they do not occupy your Christian community slot until yeah. they, f they fit this criteria. Yeah. And, and it a, sounds harsh, but I, I, I don't, I don't think it is because you're not going to take marriage advice from a non-Christian. If you are a Christian struggling in your marriage, ideally you would go to your Christian sisters or brothers in Christ, right? If you're, if you're a husband, a man. But even then, if you're not in true Christian community with right. them, you wouldn't have the liberty to ask them Absolutely. for their advice. Absolutely. And so there's this idea of Christian community that is very specific, at least in our formulation of it. But here's what it isn't. And then we'll go through really quickly what it is. <laughs> Christian community isn't this, anything other than Christ-centered. Right. Meaning that uh, you can have friends who have hobbies, share hobbies with them, and you might even you be Christian. You might say friends, we go hunting together. You can have we're both Christians. Friends. We talk about God once in a while when we're hunting. Yeah, but we we're not Christ centered. Okay, that's not a Christian. That's not Christian community. That yeah. might be a Christian friend, but it's not Christian community. I had uh, relationships that aren't specifically Christ centered. Look two ways. One, they look like they're just flat out unholy. I had a lot of wicked friends growing up. Thank God, I was ex I was. Uh, I was, uh, what's the word? I was extracted, uprooted, extracted. and I was planted elsewhere. And I was able to build other better friendships. Uh, that's the first way they're unholy. The second way um, friendships that aren't Christ-centered look is that they are just not centered on Christ, which I mentioned just now. <laughs> okay. The next thing uh, uh, Christian Christ-centered friendships aren't is they're not interest or activity oriented. Right. They're not shallow, superficial, or fake. Right. They're not fickle. And they're, they're not permanent or fleeting, right? So um, they're not permanent. They're, non, they're impermanent. They're not. Okay. They're, they're, they're fleeting. <laughs> Sorry. They're Again, not. These they're thoughts permanent, are being, not being, fleeting. Yeah, exactly. I'm saying that non-Christian friends, friendships are more fleeting. Yes. Yes. Because they're not built on, again, yeah. being Christ-centered, being discipleship-oriented, being life-on-life -life kind of living yeah. Right, together and committed to one another to work things out, to talk through things. So this is where it's really challenging. If you don't live out Christian community, which we're going to describe very quickly here, we've talked about this on the marriage side a lot. So um, 
go search fierce marriage christian community we did a whole talk on it with our friends jeff and ashley yeah a whole interview class everything but if you're not living this out yeah you can't expect your kids to pick it up or desire it, value it, or even pursue right. it. And so I think it's important for us to be living it out, like you said, because I think our kids see the model. They see mm-hmm. when we go to friends' houses and we're talking about the things of the Lord, we're saying, honey, don't, please don't interrupt. I'm talking to them about Jesus. Or, you know, we tell our kids, hey, we're working. Well, what are you doing? We're talking to people about Jesus and marriage. Like you, you, we simplify it right now, but <laughs> yeah. these are the things that, that they are going to see. We're laughing together. We're having meals together together. We are crying together. We're working through hard things together, all talking about Jesus, not calling each other names, not yeah. uh, laughing at one another not being sarcastic, but they, they can sense the language that's being used, the tone the yeah. uh, interactions. So <sighs> we, as our children grow and you may have children that are already teenagers or out of the house and you can still teach them this and, and model be this a for place them. for that. Yeah. But we say child Christian community matters. Because of all the reasons we've just said. Right. Here's what it looks Here's like. what Christian community is. Yeah. One, it's overtly Christ-centered. Yeah. You would not be friends if it weren't for Christ. Right. Meaning that, that he's the thing that keeps you together. Two, it's discipleship-oriented. In other yeah. words, you are moving toward a goal. You're geared toward the word. You have depth. Sin is confessed. It's dealt with. And righteousness is your goal. Okay. Right. So you're sharpening one another. And that's obviously, that's for... M- Boys being friends with other boys, girls being friends with other girls, right. that sort of sharpening. Um, and that will evolve as they, as they age. Uh, the third thing that Christian community is, is it's transparent. Yeah. Meaning that we, we, we stand, we, we are, we walk in the light. Yeah. I'm honest. I'm not posturing. I'm not trying to pretend I'm somebody I'm not. Right. We are both Christians in need of grace and we're here to walk alongside right. one another. Number four, it's committed. It's committed, meaning that if you offend me, I'm not going to run off. Right. We're, we're committed we're, to work we're through family things. in Christ yeah, and we don't true. abandon one another. Right. And number five is that it's consistent. In other words, you have built in the rhythms to actually be, to, you can't sharpen one another if you're never within close proximity. Yes. yes. And so that, there's a lot to unpack there, but those are the five. Um, we hope that that's helpful to you, especially as you think through training our children not to be atomized, yeah. not to be individuals, not to be autonomous, but to be community hungry. Right. And, and to not settle for shallow right. community. True Christian community, not something on a screen, not friends that like your thing, your photos, right? It's not that kind of, that's not a community. Like really defining that face-to-face interaction, that that closeness, that knowing of one another, that understanding the saying, how can I pray for you? How Could you please pray for me? Or we're going through mm-hmm. this. We need a meal. We need friends to be around us. Like that is is showing our children, teaching them, uh, inviting them in to know and to desire and to value what true Christian community is. That's good. And if you've heard us talking about all this and you're, you're hungry for that depth, you're hungry for that level of uh, shared affection. Yeah. Um, we're here to tell you that it's not found outside of shared affection for Christ and mm-hmm. shared reliance on Christ. If you don't know Jesus, we want you to know Jesus. Uh, talk to a friend who's a Christian. Talk to a pastor. Get them to read the Bible with you. Yeah. Get them to t- show you what it means to become a follower of Christ. If you don't have those things, we have a website. It's thenewsisgood.com. Check that out. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for community. Thank you that you've not mm-hmm. called us to live as autonomous human beings. You've given us your law. You've said, live according to my law and you will flourish. Live according to my model of community and you will flourish. Lord, so help us to walk in light of 
what you've commanded, what you've given. I pray you'd help us to teach our children in such a way that they would value it and live it out and then teach their children in such a way that then they would teach it to their children. Lord, mm-hmm. help us to see the fruitfulness from generation to generation to generation. By your grace, in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, if you want to partner with us, we would thank, we'd be super thankful. Yeah. Uh, go to fierceparenting.com slash partner. Otherwise, we'll continue to create this content. We hope it's blessed you. And this episode of Fierce Parenting is- And you can. See you again in seven days. Till next time. Stay fierce.